you know, from a very tender age, I worked hard not to satisfy people, but because I actually thought I was working for God. Of course, no one wants to work in the complaint department. But it was an opportunity of me, um, you know, I wasn't from horticulture, um, and I wasn't that familiar with the industry, but it was an opportunity for me to work with salespeople, with accounting, with marketing, and all sorts of problems. And um, I've always said that um, a problem is, is an opportunity waiting to be explored. Hey friends, welcome to our special edition podcast called Faith at Work. I am your host, Jen Kelly, joined by, for the very first time, my friend and fellow Huntley Campus pastor, Don Hay. We get the joy of bringing you conversations that are all about integrating faith and work and why every job matters. We're interviewing Christ followers from a variety of work backgrounds to help stir our imaginations, to give us new insights and practical ways to think about how we live out our faith at work. Uh, Before Don introduces our guest, though, we wanted to take a moment and highlight another initiative that we are incorporating to our Faith at Work theme. We are doing vocational gatherings, you guys. These are 90-minute events. You'll enjoy a good dinner, take in a specialized presentation regarding your vocation, and meet with people from church who have similar interests and experiences in your field. In fact, on April 22nd, we are doing an education, healthcare, and business. You can go to cccLife.org backslash faith at work to learn more and register. Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Don Hay, and uh, I am excited to be able to introduce Marshall Dirks. Uh, even as we were talking before we started to record, hearing uh, his background and his story, you guys are in for a treat today. Uh, as Vice President of Marketing, Marshall combines his 25-plus years of horticultural experience. And to be fair, Marshall, Jen and I have been trying to figure out what that means. Uh, Let's as, just say I've killed more plants than you have. Okay, well, that's – I don't know about that. <laughs> My wife would disagree. Uh, so uh, horticultural experience, uh, marketing skills to create awareness of the Proven Winners brand – uh, including developing and maintaining a consistent, recognizable image for proven winners. Uh, Marshall manages their consumer advertising, trade collateral, and marketing materials, the consumer and industry websites, in addition to social media platforms and proven winners' national public relations efforts. Uh, Marshall is also responsible for e-commerce activities. Uh, prior to joining Proven Winners in February of 2000, Marshall worked as product manager for Ball Seed Company where he was responsible for handling multiple lines of vegetative product, including proven winners. So, Marshall, thanks so much for joining us today. It's an honor and pleasure, and I love what you guys are doing here. And uh, as a, a fellow person, well, I guess you guys probably listen to podcasts if you're making podcasts, but <laughs> um, I have uh, learned to definitely enjoy podcasts, and, and uh, it, I, I've really been touched by the programs I've already listened to. So, oh, well, so it's nice an honor job. to have yeah. you here on so. the Faith at Work podcast. That's great. Hey, uh, as we get started, uh, for people that may or may not know you personally, they may know the products that you work with, but even just personally, tell us a a little bit about your connection, particularly with the DeKalb campus and how you got connected with Christ Community. 
Yeah, um, we've lived in the uh, DeKalb area since um, I went to school. Uh, began in 1989. My folks had just moved to St. Charles uh, from Champaign, and so I'm a big Illini fan, orange and blue. Um, and uh, but then uh, decided to stay in uh, DeKalb and raise our family. And uh, we've been attending the DeKalb campus for about six years. Um, and have really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, we're always constantly looking um, with our faith is, you know, are we, are we just striving along or are we really thriving? Um, and, you know, we needed, it was a time in our lives that we needed a bit of a change of, we, we heard the Lord calling us in some different ways, and we really felt that we had gotten really comfortable where we were, and we weren't maybe you know, being pushed as hard as we could have been. And uh, we just loved what was happening here at Christ Community and felt uh, we needed to thrive in this environment and see how we could get plugged in. So so the campus at DeKalb, yes. it was Proven Winner's office. Uh, I'm, it is now. It is so, now. Yeah, so the campus that DeKalb was meeting at was the old Farm and Fleet store built in 1971 wow. and converted to uh, Christ Community Church as well as a number of other businesses. And um, in September of 2000 or 2001, uh, Proven Winners acquired the entire building and uh, converted the whole lobby area into our office space. And um, just last week, uh, Kids World, which is affectionately known by many people and Awanas and all the groups that meant uh, – that is now a, a party supply company. Uh, it's a fulfillment company for an Amazon company. Wow! Who is uh, making joyful things for kids? So for those That's who awesome. uh, did lots of work and service serving our kids in Kids World, that's still being used uh, and being uh, honored to uh, bless God's children. That's awesome. All right. Before we get into all the questions surrounding horticulture and leadership um, and transition, we are going to do an icebreaker question. So. What you're gardening, we're in your backyard. If our listeners were to be there, what's your go-to flower or plant? What would they find in your backyard, Don? Um, I don't feel like this is a fair question since it's my first <laughs> In the springtime, not right now. Uh, in, Do you know any so plants, I, I'll Don? S- <laughs> <laughs> so I was really hoping that Marshall would go first <laughs> and I could say ditto. So I, I will say the rhododendron. Oh, okay. do you know what that is? That no. so, ah, touche, Jen. <laughs> so you must have a big fence because I'll call dear love eating those. So we would keep those in the front yard, mm-hmm. and uh, they would bloom these beautiful big flowers. And right around Easter, we would, mm. as a family, stand in front of the rhododendron, mm-hmm. and we would take our Easter pictures. There you go. And for those of you listening, you can't see Jen's face. <laughs> Because on her face, what she's saying is, she's Don, like, you're a liar. You're making this whole thing up. <laughs> I thought it was more like she was amazed that you even knew that no. uh, was a rhododendron. Is that a but, true plant? It, it is indeed. And okay. he's absolutely right with the timing. And just like people Seriously? watch the masters, you know, it's all these azaleas and rhododendrons blooming. And yeah. it's just perfect timing. So I know okay. exactly what you're talking about. Thank you. Thank you, Marshall. Right. Very good. <laughs> all right, Marshall. What about you? Uh, favorite plant. Um, well, I I said earlier uh, it's hard to pick uh, between your kids who are your favorite, you know. And so I am. Uh, I I I just love gardening um, in general. Um, and so I've I've got a favorite shrub, uh, Invincible Spirit. Um, it's uh, been bred uh, to primarily help women with breast cancer. We've donated over a million dollars to breast cancer awareness. 
Um, and, um, and so that, that's a special plant in my life. Uh, but then a uh, number of the plants in my yard are uh, from, from um, breeders who bred them. Uh, and or there are plants that um, have been given to me by special people in the industry, whether it's someone who's passed away or a grandmother who I have my grandmother's peonies. Um, uh, and so there are plants that are in my yard for different reasons. Um, and so, and then of course, I've always got all the new varieties every single year. So, uh, last year, uh, we had the garden walk at my house for DeKalb County and they got to see all the plants that are going to be available in garden centers this year. Um, so you get to see them a year in advance. And if you come over in about, you know, five or eight weeks, I've got 3000 bulbs. Uh, uh, coming out of 24 raised beds. Um, and so it's it's pretty nice, but mainly uh, the plants are there because of people who are important to me in my life. So, oh, wow. So. My answer is not that deep. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, so, what is your answer, Jim? I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> don't actually have, feel like I have a lot of time to garden right now. But when I was in Colorado, I did garden for the first time, and I would plant, I planted carrots, tomatoes, corn on the cob which okay. is wild to watch grow and i did it with the you know the light from seed you you start with the mm-hmm. light above mm-hmm. and it warms it up and you watch them all like grow anyways i try to do strawberries but the squirrels kept getting them so i don't know if i have a favorite i would be corn on the cob probably okay like to watch it i'm not a big flower like person okay. you know what i mean that's all right it's a so plant. yeah it's a lot of upkeep for beauty (laughs) was it extra work to grow the corn on the cob no not really Hmm. but my husband made me raised beds (laughs) so i could anyways and i yeah it's it's fun all right let's let's continue on she wasn't gluing the the kernels onto the cob they just grew that way i wasn't sure so (laughs) ask your question i didn't know that came later (laughs) that's my first one i should should, I'll, i'll stick to the direction we're trying to grow um uh, so uh marshall in high school uh just sort of talking and and looking at a little bit of your story Mm. um in high school and then through college uh you had a pretty wide variety of jobs and and i would almost say like a lot of students a lot of young people uh you stayed busy uh you went where the work was um and you did you did a variety of jobs um there was even a particular time uh, where you ask the question, what do I need to do to keep my job here? Hmm. Um, just as a desire to work, a desire to be useful, a desire to help people. Um, a- as you began to move toward what you're doing now, uh, talk for a minute about how God's calling played a role in that process of movement in a variety of jobs and still feeling that sense that he was calling you or moving you or at least walking with you through all of those variety of, of roles that you served in? Yeah, a couple of things, you know, when you read through, you know, the Proverbs, and I, I loved, you know, our, our special guest that we had this this past weekend, you know, that's how she started her walk in faith, reading the, you know, the Proverbs. And it talks a lot about being lazy and what the impact of being lazy is and what the impact of, you know, being employed by the Lord. Uh, and so... You know, from a very tender age, I worked hard not to satisfy people, but because I actually thought I was working for God. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was um, one time when I was entered into a, a chess tournament, and I uh, ended up winning this chess tournament uh, when I was nine years old. And the following year, 
I decided not to play any chess and entered that same tournament again and got wiped out. And I was mad at God. I'm like, God, you taught me how to play chess, but what it was a reminder to me was it wasn't given to me, that it was something that, it was still something that I had to practice, that the Lord was teaching me different ways to do some things. And so, for me, um, you know, work is, has been something that I've always had a good attitude about. You know, and there's, I forget who's got the quote, is the only thing that we can control is our attitude. And it's very true. And so, I always have an attitude that work is a blessing versus a curse. A lot of people will look about, well, there was a garden of Eden before there was sin, right? You know, so that there was work to be done. You know, there, there are blessings there and we can harvest and so forth. But that work is something that we can really enjoy. And I've been blessed in my life that um, I've, I haven't had to interview for a job. People have come to me with a job. Most of them have come through the church. Um, you know, I remember my very first semester, my fall semester of college, my parents had, you know, moved to uh, St. Charles nine days before I went off to DeKalb. In fact, DeKalb was so far away, they didn't even take me to college. It was like, I mean, in Champaign, everything was close. Uh, and so it was just a foreign world, and it was a time of transition for them and for me. And so I got back from my fall break, and I didn't know anybody. And I'm attending this service, and a gentleman uh, from behind um, taps me on the shoulder and uh, introduces himself and says, you know, when you're home from college during your winter break, would you come work for me? And that was my first entry into the greenhouse business. Uh, And they happened to run, you know, the DePage Hort uh, School, which was connected to Ball. Um, They have a little uh, greenhouse, uh, Fox Valley Growers on, on La Fox Road right here. Um, and that was um, just, I've just seen the Lord bless, um, you know, me through work, um, and I've had a good attitude about it all my life. Um, I love going to work. Um, as people will say, if you, you know, if you love what you do, it's not work, it's just joy. It's how you can return a blessing back uh, to the Lord. Um, so, it's good. Um, just serving in that way. That's wild that a tap on the shoulder, mm. right? All those years ago. Mm led you to the place that you are now with Proven Winners. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of listeners, and especially toward our younger generation, um, post-COVID, the the world is a very different place. What would you say to them that might be in a similar time of transition or a time of uncertainty? Mm -hmm. What would you tell them? Yeah, I just went through this with my son. You know, for uh, for a full year, he was unemployed. Um, he just actually got a pastoral position uh, in Paso Robles, uh, California. Oh, um, that's awesome! And, um, so What's your son's name? Connor. Connor. Congratulations, yeah. Connor. <laughs> yeah. So he worked. <laughs> he worked with the youth in DeKalb and in St. Charles. He worked their staff here, and and many people poured into that young man's life, <laughs> and. He knew that all the jobs that he was doing, the menial tasks that he was doing, was not what God had called him to. And, you know, he got lots of rejections. Hundreds of churches literally rejected him. And uh, he said, Dad, this is what I was called to do seven years ago. Mm. That's Uh, That's beautiful. So, um, stay persistent if that's your calling. Um, what the Lord has laid on your life. Um, but I think the, the important thing is, you know, asking the Lord, is this what you've got? Oftentimes when we get into a stressful situation or a trying situation, 
we uh, rely on our own knowledge and we get into things of uh, pushing people away, not accepting other people's advice. Um, we isolate ourselves, we're stressed, and our habits change oftentimes in a negative way. And uh, we do the same with the Lord sometimes. Hmm. Um, and so um, ask, ask people to pray for you. Yeah. Well, and even in part of that story, the significance of the tap on mm -hmm. your shoulder, and whether it's someone who, uh, one of the real benefits of being part of the body of Christ is that God uses us in other people's lives as much as he uses other people in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about healthy church and healthy uh, body life uh, describers, sometimes it's the reminder to have the courage to tap someone on the mm -hmm. shoulder, especially someone who's younger, someone who needs an opportunity to be willing to see that potential and also to be willing to say yes when when God uses somebody to mm -hmm. to tap you, mm -hmm. which which is amazing. And so so part of this, uh, I, I think, continues with some of this theme of transition and your transition from ball seed to proven winners and and part of that transition um, and, and even wrapped within that uh, your own transition in terms of your job and and moving through a variety of different functions and roles and positions in your company and how how did you see God preparing you for the role that you're in now how did he keep you limber um, and, and I know even that posture of being open and limber and flexible, uh, for a lot of us, we white-knuckle change mm. and we run away from transition, mm. and, and we're afraid of it. Trans change, transition, it's the enemy because it means something bad is happening. Mm -hmm. And yet, looking at your story, uh, you didn't allow change to stop you, and instead, you you wrote it or you, so, so talk about that a little bit, just with all the ways that you've navigated some of these change in roles and positions in companies, um, how, how you saw God showing up and preparing you for where you are now. Yeah. One of the things you alluded to was, you know, in transition when, you know, I was at a, at a company, um, and I took a job that no one wanted, right? You know, and it was um, during a circumstance, I was getting ready to go on our uh, get married. On that Thursday, um, I was taking that Friday off to prepare for wedding stuff because I'm a procrastinator. Um, <laughs> and so I hadn't done a lot of things. So I was taking that Friday off. The uh, Friday before your wedding is yes. when you started. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's so not procrastination. I, That's yeah, I was perfectly normal. calling the florist. <laughs> uh, I was having all the little table notes because I was responsible for the post ceremony stuff. And my wife yeah. was doing all the ceremony stuff. So I was doing everything at the last minute, um, and I had my boss at the time uh, came down and she said, um, on Friday, um, our company is doing a massive downsizing, and um, a third of the company um, is not going to be with us any longer. Um, a number of the people on your team, you're no longer going to be with, uh, and uh, all the vice presidents and CEO are going to be let go, and, but we want you to come back. And I'm like, should I come back? <laughs> it was a scary proposition. The company was going to look drastically different. Um, and um, my wife and I, we went home and I, I prayed about that situation of, you know, we were having a wedding to pay for, a honeymoon to pay for. 
and I didn't know what I was going to be doing. And I um, literally um, told my boss that, you know, um, I'd like the job that no one wants. Um, and that job was the complaint department. Of course, no one wants to work in the complaint department. Yeah. But it was an opportunity of me, um, you know, I wasn't from horticulture, um, and I wasn't that familiar with the industry, but it was an opportunity for me to work with salespeople, with accounting, with marketing, and all sorts of problems. And um, I've always said that um, a problem is is an opportunity waiting to be explored. And so how do you look at that uh, problem, and how do you solve that? Um, and so, um, you know... Christ listened to a lot of people's complaints. Mm-hmm. He didn't solve all of them. He didn't meet everybody's needs. He took time away, and he had a balance in his own life to yeah. step away. He encouraged his apostles to step away. Um, he also um, um, demonstrated great patience. You know, he's frustrated oftentimes. We're human, and we're making mistakes. And the people I'm working with and customers who are making mistakes – they're human too. And so, you know, you have to always assume the best in somebody. Um, and the people who say, you know, a customer is always right. There's a lot of people who say that, not a lot of people believe it. And a lot, a lot of companies don't live that way. And, you know, one of the things that I, you know, put on every single flower pot that you buy from Proven Winners, our phone number is there. We actually want to talk to people, you know, whereas you call the 800 number for Coca-Cola. They are, you're not going to talk to a live person. They don't care, you know, but people do care. Uh, and so transition is a, is a difficult time, but how you approach it. And then uh, for us, uh, it was praying through that. And another one for my wife and I is, uh, my, you know, my wife has suffered greatly from endometriosis. And she was told that we couldn't have kids uh, or it would be a real struggle. And uh, for... Uh, you know, she had had three uh, lapros- laparoscopy surgeries before we were married, um, and um, our doctor said, you know, try to get pregnant as fast as you can as soon as you get married. And we said, you know what? You know, our mind has always been set on us having kids, but maybe that's not what the Lord has planned for us. And we said, you know, for the first whole year, the first year of our marriage, we're going to dedicate that to the Lord and... Um, if, you, if he chooses to bless us um, with children after that, you know, we know it's the Lord's work. And we happened to be on a, uh, a missions trip in Venezuela. And um, we were uh, plant, uh, working with a young plant, uh, church plant there. And my wife was sick as a dog. Mm. And we thought it was Montezuma's revenge, right? <laughs> and it found out that uh, she was uh, pregnant with our first child. Mm. So, uh, Marshall. So. Oh, all right. So I want to backtrack a little bit because you actually um, went into one of the very topics that we want to talk mm-hmm. about because you are, I mean, you are in such people intensive roles, especially taking on that one job of complaints, right? Um, I want to talk about how you've been so successful with the ability to listen. When you think about people related skills, especially when they're calling, right, to complain, to, mm-hmm. you know, let people have it, express why they're so mm-hmm. unhappy. How does your faith inform how you listen and how uh, you're able to navigate such big minefields? How do you reach people uh, with the real and living hope of Jesus by listening even? Mm-hmm. 
I wouldn't say I do this all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it's really easy to become defensive. And, you know, I think about Christ when he was being questioned by Pontius Pilate and, and when he was, you know, being whipped um, and tormented. And um, he didn't have a response. He let his actions speak. Uh, and, um, and so it's hard for me not to be defensive. I have a lot of ego. I have a lot of pride. I want to defend myself all the time. Uh, but there are a lot of times where you just have to stand back and say, and do what Christ did, ask, ask more questions. Um, and so, you know, we tend to ask more questions. Um, and in terms of how I relate, you know, I am not my typical customer. You know, so I'm a male. I didn't own a home at the time. I wasn't a baby boomer, and I didn't really have a garden and didn't garden at all. And here I am being charged to try to make a product attractive to an audience who I don't resemble. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes that I may not resemble a, a complaining customer or whatever. And, and Christ, <laughs> you know, he may or may not resemble us either. You know, we're fallen and sinful creatures, and he's radically different than that. Um, and so for, for me, just trying to, um, um, you know, ask more intentional questions of showing that I really care. Um, caring, caring comes through um, when um, you ask a, a perceptive question versus just trying to defend yourself or give a, a stock answer. You know, when people recognize that this is a question that this person actually cares um, or remembers something, a, a detail that you talked about, and, and, and those who practice this skill really well will, will oftentimes repeat somebody's yeah. and so let me hear what you said or i heard you say correct. this yeah, yeah. versus yeah. you know being defensive or or something else and so i think restating uh, people's um problems um definitely helps people understand and calms things down and and oftentimes by the time i get some of those complaints they've been they're calmed down already um and so sometimes there's understanding when there people are venting uh, and let people vent. Um, but um, for for my staff, you know, um, who are answering phone calls, it can be really, really stressful. When that phone is sitting there, and the only time it's going to ring is when someone has a complaint. Uh, and so I try to take care of our customers, but um, just as important is I need to take care of my employees. Um, and uh, my employees are the people who are the voice of Proven Winners. Uh, they're the people who respond to an email or a text or a social post. Um, and so we all know that anger, frustration, disillusionment, all those things can come through emails <laughs> yeah. and through posts and texts and so forth. And so one of the steps that we've done to help, you know, just let people know that you know, we care is, you know, we've got these two massage chairs that have like 40 pillows in them. They have Wi-Fi for their music. Oh They're heated. They have zero de- gravity on their body, and I encourage them. It sounds every- a lot like the Huntley campus. Yeah, I, you I heard you're getting one of those. Uh, yeah, I just not I just, just one. Heard- oh, okay, two. So perfect. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. after the podcast. But I think it's one of those important things that um, if you're asking someone to do something, you know, make sure you're doing the same thing for your employees. Hmm. You know, if your customers are always right, then are your employees always right? So when your employees are complaining about things, how do you respond to that? Are you responding it just as wholeheartedly as when a customer complains about it? Um, because, um, you know, that, that employee is going to represent you in the marketplace. 
Um, and so, you know, with with work, you know, and complaints and customers and things, it's a messy business, right? Uh, but Christ, what did he do? He washed the apostles' feet. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've walked to the beach, right, it, I don't even like cleaning my own feet. You know, I just want to wash them <laughs> yeah. off in that little pole thing. I don't want to get it into my car or whatever. But Christ calls us to be in the nitty-gritty and the caring of people's lives. Um, and uh, and so if we can do that for our employees uh, and model that, That's really good. they can do it for our customers too. That's really good. Uh, when when you, you know, the, the things that you're talking about, um, not just for your customers, but but for your staff, for your team, um, I mean, it's amazing. And and I think of this as we think about change and uh, it if you're paying attention, you see how quickly culture is changing and things evolving in culture. And you were talking earlier about maybe it's what is the what is the favorite color? What is the favorite plant? How do you market using online versus print? And and just the way that so many things have changed over the years. Uh, that that you had mentioned something in an article saying we can quickly become obsolete if we're not willing to change. Mm-hmm. So as a marketing person, uh, how does your faith inform your strategy? And and obviously, you know, we don't want to draw a hard line between well your faith and your business, but how does your relationship with Christ um, affect your ability to change, to navigate change? Um, and when you think about so many people even that listen um, – our tendency is to do things that the way we've always done them, mm-hmm. and we're comfortable where we are, and sometimes change is the enemy. So for you, as a leader, how do you take your ideas and influence those around you to be flexible and not afraid of failure in the process of changing? Yeah, there's like 10 questions in there, guys. Uh, <laughs> pick, your, pick, pick your favorite. Yes. Yeah, how does faith... Uh, um, you know, one of the things is um, at the end of the day, um, the growth of our company is not my responsibility. That's hmm. God's. God's can bless it or not bless it. Um, and so, you know, that, that removes a burden from me. But I don't always act that way, right? You know, I tend to act like I'm responsible for the change and I'm responsible for the growth. Um, but you get caught up in that when, um, you know, when things are going well, you've got a high spirit. When things are going well, Poorly, you you fall into depression, and particularly for men, you know their work is how they're identified. They know people by their work, um, and when uh, and so it's hard. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm not responsible for that growth. Um, the Lord is, and the business is in His hand, um, and so I have to, you know, not take credit for things, and I have to be humbled. And so by listening to customers, or listening to to change, or making decisions. Um, I try to do as much research as I possibly can because I don't know what I'm doing. You know, we've got a gal who names our plants for us, and she comes up with all these cool names like Pinky Winky Hydrangea or Ooh. Vista Bubblegum Petunia um, or this. Wine and Roses Wygelia, you know, instead of That's just amazing. red petunia. Yeah. And prior to her coming up with all these fancy names, I used to go to all these makeup counters and take all the lipstick swatches or the paint swatches from the uh, paint department. Um, and, you know, ask consumers what name would they like to do? And I learned that technique from watching, um, you know, uh, Mars uh, and M&M's, the maker of M&M's, I think Mars was. 
And M&M, um, all the research was done internally, and they all kept it inside. You know, and sometimes as churches, we keep everything inside, right? You know, until it's fully baked planned, and then we release something out, and then we wait for feedback to see if it was well-received or whatever the case. And businesses do the same thing. Families do the same thing. Uh, and what I really liked is, this was way back in early 2000s, uh, they went out and said, we're coming up with a new M&M, and we want consumers to pick that next color. And they had in their mind what the next color would be in their trends, but the outpouring that they receive from their customers, like, oh my gosh, we can be a part of this? Yeah. We can help form the mission of the church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can help form the culture of your company? That is empowering. Mm -hmm. When people feel that they're important and they've been listened to and heard, and you have a regular format for collecting that data. The old, you know... Uh, comments or suggestion box, who puts something in there? Well, Those are gone. Those are abandoned. There are some great ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I've not done that, but yeah, you're more yeah. apt to, you know, call or text or whatever. And so, but, you know, are you providing those regular formats for listening? Um, and, you know, they, uh, you know, M&M's found out that the next color should be blue. It wasn't even on their radar. Yeah. You know, and so there are things that are not even on our radar for change, and and yet when as a leader, if you are called to lead transition, um, you know, and I've stumbled, I've created plenty of mistakes, I've created anger or tension or disillusionment, um, but I found when um, the earlier you get people involved with the change, um, you the, the job is not to sell someone on change. The job is to educate and comfort them through change. It's so good. I don't react to change the same as somebody else would. And a lot of people don't like change when it's coming from somebody else either. Uh, you see this in children. You see this as in adults. You see this when you get pulled over by uh, for speeding. Oh, I didn't do anything wrong, you know, but you did. And you're under someone else's authority. And the Lord has called us to be under His authority. So what are we doing? What are we not changing in our lives or what is what are we being called to change in our lives? And those are areas of transition um, that, that that we have to respond to as well. I like your practical application from leadership and change from what you've learned in Scripture. Uh, so as kind of a follow-up question, you have worked for years in the field of plants and seeds. And mm -hmm. so you probably have some really cool, unique perspectives on the parables of Jesus, his teachings uh, that he had on the topic of seeds, sowing and reaping, the different types of soil, etc. Uh, do you have one in particular that's especially meaningful given your background? And if so, why? Yeah, I have a couple. Um, you know, gardens and flowers and trees and all that is all through Scripture, and I love it. And it was great to be sharing with my kids that, you know, what Dad does is, is somewhat important, right? <laughs> it's all through the Bible. Yeah. Uh, but two things come to mind. Uh, one is the parable of the mustard seed. Um, and that's, um, you know, just the parable of how expansive a mustard seed is. And it's, it's referred to or references is the kingdom of God will, will grow. And anyone who's grown mustard, most of us have never grown mustard. But if you're walking on, on a prairie walk or, or, or whatever, you can marvel at the plants that have grown three feet in a single four, four or five months. It's like, how did that grass do that in a, in a single year from a little tiny seed? And so, to me, I always look at the mustard seed and the kingdom of God as, you know, we have the privilege of participating in the kingdom of God. God can do all this on his own, but he's called us as fallen people to help 
participate in that in that growth of that. Uh, and so I love the expansiveness of that. Um, and you know, uh, I we were just following my uh, daughter uh, through. Uh, she was in a, a college a choir, and she just got done doing a tour all through California and Washington and and Oregon. And um, we were someone saw that we were in Mesa, Arizona. Oh, and that's, uh, I used to live there. Okay, it's a great very place. good. Yeah, so we were in Mesa, and um, uh, we contacted a, a lady who. Um, uh, my wife knew was there, and um, she's actually the the woman who mentored my wife before we got married in college. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to see how her life and what she's going through, and and the seeds that she planted in my wife's life that have now impacted my children and have impacted me, um, is pretty amazing. From just a little conversation, and then secondly, with horticulture uh, related things, is um, you know Christ refers to. Um, um, throwing away, you know, and pruning branches that are no longer useful and calls us to not be those branches that aren't producing fruit. Um, and at the same time, be willing to take a pruning. Um, iron sharpens iron. Well, a pruner is cutting back things. And you're not just cutting back live pl- parts of the plant you're, or, or, or dead parts. You're, you're cutting back other parts of the plant to perpetuate further growth. Um, and so, those who are speaking wisdom into our lives, if they're if they're Christians, and um, you know, and allowing for that in your life, you know, that's why importance of small groups and community and so forth, because people are will, will say things, they'll recognize things in your life, and just as someone who's pruning a tree, they're not randomly pruning; it's strategically pruning mm. to see growth. They they can already anticipate the fruit that will be done by pruning. And my my grandfather was uh, a pecan farmer out in California. Mm. And you go and see, or, or you see the, the vineyards, um, you see that they're whacked back, or apple trees are whacked back majorly. And someone might say, man, you're killing that tree. No, no, no. The farmer knows that that thing is going to explode with growth. And how do we respond to that cutback in our lives? Are that's, we going to fight it, or are we going to let God do something that we can't even see? Yeah, yeah that's so good. That's good. Uh, so as we as we begin to wind down here, um, maybe just a, a practical question because uh, you mentioned your schedule and traveling a lot, and you've got three uh, amazing kids, uh, wonderful wife. So in, in the midst of traveling, uh, and and I guess a lot of our listeners probably can relate uh, with their own traveling for work, commuting, some different things. Uh, tell us a little bit about your family. How, how do you lead uh, in your business while at the same time cultivating your marriage and investing in your three kids? What do your spiritual rhythms look like, and how do they help you contribute to that? Yeah, well, I couldn't do what I do without my wife. I mean, it was a choice that we made. Uh, we went into it considering prayer. We knew it was a huge risk. I was a second employee of this company, and it was a huge risk to leave from the world's largest horticultural company where it was safe, convenient. And the Lord called us. Um, not only did he bless us with three kids, he said, I want you to raise those three kids. And for, for, for us, that was a challenge. We had gotten used to living on two incomes. And we tell every young couple who wants to have kids to live on one income because it's really hard to cut back. You know, you start enjoying things. Uh, And so we made that decision, um, and it took us a while to get off of that second income. Uh, But we've invested in those kids. And so just being intentional about, um, you know, your marriage, your relationships with your kids – 
um, you know, how you communicate during those times. Uh, but then for me, uh, um, it's about protecting my walk with the Lord as well. Um, and, you know, on the road, there's tons of te- temptations. You're, you're alone, you're in hotel rooms, you know, lots of garbage on television, whatever the case may be. And so one practical thing I do is before I even walk into the room is, you know, I, I ask that uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, may all the demons flee. Um, and just allow that to be a time where this room is, is holy ground. I'm stepping over this, you know, threshold, and this is holy ground, and the Lord has sanctified this space, and it's His space. And I am just staying here for the night or two or whatever. And I've seen that those types of practices of recognizing that we're in a spiritual battle um, um, can be helpful. And you mimic that with your kids, and your Mm -hmm. kids recognize those uh, things, and they see those practices. But... Uh, it's hard of, you know, I used to spend 150, 200 days on the road, wow. you know, and you get home from a trip and, um, you know, I just start wanting to pick up and tidy up and, and so forth. And my wife viewed that as I was judging her that she didn't have the time to pick up, you know, and so it was it was hard. And I'm not saying that we did everything perfectly, but it, we had to have this reentry uh, time of all that stuff doesn't matter, you know, spend time with me. Um, and, well, and, and so what I, what I love you describing is the intentionality. Mm. And I think when you're, when you invest in things that are growing and being intentional towards growth, when you're dealing with people who are going through things, being intentional, uh, and yet in, in the intentionality, it doesn't create a rigid structure. It, it actually just creates the right space so that God's spirit can move in and be present there. And so there's there's this beautiful interplay between flexibility and intentionality so that you're not so flexible it leads to chaos and you're not so intentional it you're telling the plant how to grow, you're actually allowing the plant to grow into the way that it is. And so he, hearing some of that, I mean, it's just been so encouraging. So, so yeah. Marshall, thank you so much for being with us today. And, and how or where uh, can people connect with you? Well, I'm not on social, so my wife does all of that for our family. Uh, but um, uh, I'm at the DeKalb campus. I'm usually at the 11 o'clock because uh, – some people in our family don't want to go to the nine o'clock. I won't say who that is, uh, <laughs> but they need more sleep, um, and they're usually dealing with uh, kids later in the evening. Where I tend to knock off a little bit earlier, but so eleven o'clock service, um, serving in that that capacity or attending. Um, but um, you know, people can find me online as well. That's awesome. Oh. Great. Uh, Again, Marshall, it's an honor and privilege to have you here today. Uh, Friends, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Faith at Work. Our conversations happen every other week. So in two weeks, you can expect another interview to help you think critically about faith and work intersecting in creative and inspiring ways. Because as we say every time, every job matters. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Email us your suggestions, questions, or ideas to workpodcast at ccclife.org. And lastly, tell your friends that their job matters too and invite them to join along in the conversation. We'll talk to you soon.